It is Sunday, July 12th, 2020. This is U62 The Targ. Let's do it. As we say in the radio business, if you put that on the radio, people will listen to it. All right, here it comes. Anyone who isn't dead or from another plane of existence would do well to cover their ears right about now. Why, what a little tiny microchip deep inside some electronics. Broadcasting to the world through the miracle of the internet. Ladies and gentlemen, this is U62, the TAR. Now your host, a man with a lifelong dream of getting paid to do this, Mark Tappen. On this week's show, we're talking about Ghostbusters, both the original and the 2016 reboot, and yet another new Batman TV show is on the way. It's episode 10.13, talking about Ghostbusters. So sit back, relax, grab yourself some warm root beer and a towel that's oh so fluffy. You 62 the tar, you're in for something special. Enjoy the show. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Mark Camp is here. Welcome to this week's episode of The Targ. Well, I did it. I'm still doing it. With the movie theater starting to reopen and showing classic films for just five bucks, I once again went back to the theaters for a $5 classic. This time, I saw Ghostbusters. And it was really good that I did, too, because the last time it was re-released to theaters was back in 2014 for the 30th anniversary, and I decided to pass on seeing it and go see the new Ninja Turtles movie instead, and I kind of regretted that. But there, at long last on the big screen, I was able to see Ray, Egon, and the other guy, Peter, can't believe I blanked on his name, and their adventures on the big screen. I tell ya, kind of the same problem I had with Back to the Future. From the outset... Ghostbusters doesn't seem very cinematic. It's a lot of people standing around and talking. But then when you get to that climax where they're fighting Gozer in Gozer's temple on top of Dana's apartment, oh my god, just seeing all the lavish detail in that set on the big screen. I think that's one thing that surprised me about all these films that I've been seeing. All of the practical special effects really hold up well on the big screen, and they're still phenomenal to look at. A friend of mine was asking if there are any additional details I noticed on the big screen. There is one that I noticed. Okay, so you know at the beginning there when Dana opens up her fridge and inside she sees Gozer's temple, and then suddenly that terror dog jumps into frame and goes, Zool. Well, for the longest time, that struck me as a very awkward edit, a very awkward jump cut. But there on the big screen, for the very first time, I could see that atop Gozer's temple, just kind of lounging there, is one of the terror dogs. And he notices Dana looking at him, and that's when we do the rapid zoom into him where he says, Zool. So yeah, I finally noticed that on the big screen. If I had one complaint... It would have to be the montage. You know the montage, right? Where they play Ghostbusters and they're running around making a name for themselves. Of course, at home on TV, when they flash the magazine covers, you have time to actually read them and get all the little jokes on those covers. But on the big screen, it's almost too big to read. But still, I've now seen Ghostbusters on the big screen, and I'm very happy for it. Okay, I think I'll do one more $5 classic. I've got my tickets for Empire Strikes Back. You're listening to Mark Kappas. It's clear to all of you that I am awesome. On U62. 
The Targ. Actually, with all this talk about Ghostbusters, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go to my Blu-ray player and toss in the 2016 Ghostbusters and give that another go. Seems like every time I talk about seeing Ghostbusters in the theater, everyone I talked to was like, oh man, that new one, Ghostbusters Afterlife, looks so good, and that one from 2016 still looks like a giant piece of crap. Now, here's the thing. I did not mind the 2016 Ghostbusters reboot. I thought it was pretty good. I mean, it's what I wanted since I was 12. It's a brand new Ghostbusters movie. The only problem I had with it, actually, was all the cameos and all the Easter eggs to the original Ghostbusters. You know, Bill Murray's cameo, Dan Aykroyd's cameo, Ernie Hudson's cameo, and so on and such forth. See, the 2016 Ghostbusters was good, but not great. Now, in my mind, a movie that's good but not great can drop down a couple of notches if you're constantly reminding me of the much better movie I could be watching. And that's what all the cameos were. They became a distraction after a while. But other than that, you know, as I said before, I thought it was pretty good. You know, that's the big question, right? What is the secret sauce that makes Ghostbusters? I've listened to other movie podcasts about this. The thing with Ghostbusters is it is such a perfect intersection of horror and comedy. One of my favorite movie podcasts, they were talking about this. The guy was introducing Ghostbusters to his son. He looked over at his son about halfway through the movie and noticed that his son was scared spitless. And that's when he realized what a perfect intersection of horror and comedy Ghostbusters is. When you remove all the jokes, it still works perfectly as a horror movie. That's why his kid was so scared the jokes were going over his head. But then gumming up the works, we have the very popular cartoon series, The Real Ghostbusters, which started selling Ghostbusters as this family-friendly thing. Let's be honest, the real Ghostbusters turned the Ghostbusters into superheroes. Now they're charging in to save the day. So Ghostbusters is this weird blend of horror, comedy, and superhero. And that's probably why a lot of people were turned off by the 2016 Ghostbusters. It leaned a little too hard into superhero, I think, and wasn't really allowed to flourish as a comedy. But you know what? There's still a lot in that film I love. Kate McKinnon is a force of nature as the mad scientist who builds all their ghost-catching gadgets. I absolutely loved her in that film, so I think I'll watch it again just for her and let you know what I think. Everything's better with Mark Chappis. Crime has gone down, productivity is up, and ratings for Doctor Who are through the roof. Mark Chappis on U62, The Targ. And now it's time for the streaming report where I update you on everything that I've been binging these days. Well, I'm still powering my way through Battlestar Galactica, having missed it in its original run 15 years ago. I'm almost done. I'm more than halfway through the fourth and final season. Fourth season is getting into more generic sci-fi stuff with visions and prophecies and stuff like that, but it's still a very entertaining and good sci-fi show. But of course, I'm taking a break from that every now and then. You probably saw the headline a few weeks ago, we lost comedy legend Carl Reiner. So because of that, I've been watching a lot of reruns of The Dick Van Dyke Show. Carl Reiner was the creator of that show. In fact, he based the lead character, Rob Petrie, who was played by Dick Van Dyke, on himself. And, of course, he was a writer on a sketch comedy show in the 1950s called Your Show of Shows. So Rob, being a television writer, it was all very much based on his own life. It was like the 30 Rock of the early 60s. 
In fact, I just watched one of my favorite episodes that I remember watching in reruns when I was a kid. So Rob and his wife, Laura, they plan this romantic getaway to a hotel, but then disaster strikes when Laura gets her big toe stuck in the faucet in the bathtub. Yep, classic sitcom premise, but it's still just funny as heck. So yeah, Dick Van Dyke Show, check it out. And of course, Carl Reiner himself did appear on camera in the show, playing Alan Brady, the egotistical star of the TV show that Rob wrote for. Not only that, while browsing around Amazon Prime, I noticed they have a bunch of the classic Garfield animated TV specials now, and I just caught one of my favorites from when I was a kid, Garfield in Paradise. So here's the thing. John, Garfield, and Odie, they got this wonderful Hawaiian vacation all planned out. But see, because John is such a cheapskate, his all-inclusive resort turns out to be a flea bag motel. So while they're lounging by the empty pool, thinking about how much their vacation blows, John is hit with an inspiration. He stands up and says, We are masters of our own destiny. This is an island. That means there's got to be a beach somewhere. Let's rent a car, go cruising, see if we can find a beach. So they do that. And they have some fun on the beach. But then the car, a classic 1957 Chevy, gets a mind of its own. It veers off the highway and they wind up in a primitive tribe where they worship 1950s pop culture and they're led by Wolfman Jack. Of course, John immediately falls in love with the chief's daughter. Garfield falls in love with the chief's daughter's cat. But then the volcano threatens to erupt. And because this is what happens in all these movies, they have to sacrifice the chief's daughter. But the volcano doesn't want her. The volcano wants the 57 Chevy. So they sacrifice the car and save the day. I tell ya, I loved it so much when I was a kid, and it's still as much fun watching it again. So yeah, there's a bunch of those Garfield animated specials now on Amazon Prime. And that's the streaming report. U62 Dark has everything you want in a podcast. Scooby-Doo, Batman, and Weird Al, it's the holy trinity of pop culture. Download it today at chaosinabox.com. Well, let's get to wrapping things up here. There's another headline that just came across my desk. Of course, we've got another new Batman movie coming out called The Batman. That's the one where Robert Pattinson, the sparkly vampire from the Twilight movies, is playing Batman. Well, it was just announced that it's going to have a spin-off TV show on HBO Max. It's going to be all about the Gotham City Police Department in this universe and how they deal with the same threats that Batman deals with. So, Gotham. They're doing a reboot of Gotham. And all I have to say is, why? Why do they keep trying to make this Batman Cinematic Universe a thing? We've got the Gotham TV show. They were talking about doing a Batgirl movie and a Nightwing movie and all this stuff going on. And, you know, I got to thinking, we should absolutely forget making a DC Cinematic Universe. Let's do what everybody seems to want to do. Let's do a Batman Cinematic Universe. We can have a Robin movie. We can have a Nightwing movie. We can have a Batgirl movie. And then for our version of the Avengers, Batman brings the whole Batman family together to face whatever Gotham City is fighting. So yeah, I don't know. I love Batman, but there eventually reaches a point where there's just too much out there. I've never watched Pennyworth. That's the show about young Alfred and his days as a spy with the British Secret Service. It's just... Why? Stop giving us Batman prequels. Just give us Batman. You can't do a Batman show without Batman. Lord knows Gotham tried.
Anyway, that's it for me. I'm about all rambled out. So thanks for tuning in this week. As always, you can catch uh, everything online at my official website, chaosinabox.com, and you can subscribe on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Play. I'm Mark Apps. This has been the Targ. I will see you next week. And this brings us to the end of another exciting episode of the Targ. Don't forget you can download a new episode of the Targ every week at chaosinabox.com. The Targ is written and produced by Mark Kappas under the watchful eye of 42 Star Wars action figures. The Targ is a Chaos in a Box production. It was a good ride while it lasted. Come on, kids. Let's go home. We are home. That was fast.